whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Good morning, friends. Karen Pennington here. And I have been sort of struggling this week with the spirit of judgment because of some people that have surfaced in my life. I'm hoping that you can understand what I mean. You know, those people that um, it's just a little harder to have grace for them. Uh, Might be because they get under your skin because of something they do or say. It might be because you see them hurting people over and over and over again and not trying to change. It might be because of something they've done that's hard to forgive, but I'll tell you what, the hardest forgiveness for me is when you see people continuing in the process. If you're like, they've done it and they're doing it again. How do you forgive them? And just knowing that the line between, you don't have to trust somebody to forgive them, but but forgiveness has really critical spirit more than forgiveness has come up. And um, three people in particular have crossed my path this week. One is a known sex offender who is also known for taking advantage of the weak, known for kind of gaining the trust of people who are mentally challenged and lonely and has worked very much outside of the law and figured out how to do things within the law. This is, um, this is empirical. There are records. And this person uh, tried to infiltrate an organization that I am part of and I was aware of it and then I had to step away from it because I was so angry because of the history that I had with him trying to do it in other places that I just had to let the security at that area do their thing. Um, I wouldn't have hit him. I'm not violent. But if I would have opened my mouth, I know I would have exposed him beyond what is godly and I would have torn him down beyond what is prudent or loving. And So I just had to step away from it. And I was just so angry that this person was lying and trying to taking an organization that accepts everyone and then trying to get further into the point where he had access like to the children and to the vulnerable. And then when um, the head of security told him, you know, we're aware of your history, he ran out yelling and tried to punish somebody else. Oh, they're not loving this. This It made me so angry. And um, then the second one was somebody from... um, I don't want to say a past life, from a place we used to live, somebody who'd been close to us and um, called, hadn't called in a while, and she just called to share some gossip about some very deeply hurtful things that may or may not have happened to a common person that we know and, and their children and very, very deep secrets and just shared them. And then the reason for sharing them is because she wanted to gain our sympathy because she felt bad about this and she said she'd been having bad dreams and it's and I just (laughs) my husband had to figure out how to bow out of the phone call because there was I'm sure I did it more than he did he's he's better at grace than I am but I there was just such a level of disgust like to me you know gossip is disgusting and the most disgusting part of gossip is when you are using something that is very vulnerable and hurtful information that's not yours to share just so that you can gain attention and so that you can 
get sympathy over something that didn't even happen to you. It just, it was disgusting. I mean, it was so disgusting to me beyond anything that would be, and like, I haven't talked to this person in a year. Why would you call me to share somebody else's stuff that they obviously didn't want us to know just so we can say, yeah, you, you know it and you feel bad for them. And so I really had to sit with that and I was frustrated. And the third was, I don't know if, if you, if, if you're in the podcast, you won't see this, but it's a picture and you're going to think I'm horrible of, um, you might be able to see her now of a fairly, very happy, pretty large lady about seven and a half years ago, weighed about 350 pounds, hair a little bit unkempt, makeup not done, just kind of sitting there and actually, I know the context of that picture because she was just kind of feeding her face with potato chips and um, I still have a hard time not looking at that picture with a level of disgust. Not because I don't real. I mean, I realize beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. I can see somebody and not see how big or small they are, how much weight they've gained or how tall or how large. I just see, look at their beautiful smile, look at their effervescent personality. I just, I don't see people that way. But in this case, that person was me seven and a half years ago. Um, I'm literally half the person <laughs> that I used to be. And, and I'm grateful that I'm healthier now. But sometimes I still struggle with guilt and judgment against, I mean, it's crazy who I was against someone who still, I still love the Lord. I still love my husband. I was still faithful. I still sought things out. I still had a ministry. I just had this thing about me that I couldn't, couldn't get under control. I needed help with that. And uh, I'm grateful that I'm healthier now, but I literally have to look at that picture of that 350 pound woman and say, that's a beautiful woman of God. It's a beautiful woman of God who struggled with her weight and God through God's grace. I've been able to be healthier but I was a beautiful woman of God. There's no reason for disgust when I look at that picture. And I love, my husband saw, I put that picture with a recent picture of me side by side. And he said, first thing he said before reading, I wrote a post last night, before reading it was, those are, you're beautiful in both of those pictures. And oh, God bless my husband. Because I think he knew what I was thinking too. And we struggle with his judgment. At why? We, we hang on to this judgment. We hang on, what is it about us? that we hang on to this need to be right and to be morally better. And I really think that's what judgment is about. When, not when we're saying something is right or wrong, but when we're saying a person is right or wrong. When we, it's like we reserve the right to reject people because we can't put ourselves in the same category as them. And I honestly think sometimes the deepest part of us, when we reject people, we're afraid that there's something in us that mirrors them. And I think Paul sort of talks about that a little bit. Um, I had so many verses about this because I needed to get my own heart right. And Romans 1, he starts talking in a way that I like to hear, but then he kind of lambasted me. Um, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their spirit. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Because they're understood through what have been made. So people are without excuse. Yeah, you have no excuse when you do that crazy stuff. It's obvious. You're just being dumb, right? Okay, that's, that's my extraneous things that I'm saying. 
For although they knew God, they did not glorify him or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their senseless hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the desires of their flesh to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And by the way, this is Romans 1, 18 to 24. So, yeah, how dare they do that? They have no excuse. Even if no one had told them over and over not to do it, which they have, they're doing these horrible, horrible things. How dare they? And so, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to, like, tell them. And then you get to a few verses later. And he talks a little bit more about why they're wrong and they have no excuse. And a few verses later, Romans 2.1, Therefore, you are without an excuse, whoever you are, when you judge someone else. Say what? For on whatever ground you judge another, you condemn yourself, because you who judge practice the same things. Now we know that God's judgment is in accordance with truth against those who practice such things. And do you think? Whoever you are, when you judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape God's judgment? Ouch. So in other words, if I'm getting mad at someone for gossiping, I better make sure I've never gossiped. And I can justify and say, I've never gossiped in that way. I've never shown that low. It's like there's this, this cord of righteousness that connects us to God. And all we have to do is sin once to cut that. And that's when we need Jesus. And who cares if you sin, sin once or 150,000 times? And I've Send 150,000 or more, you know. But who cares if I haven't gossiped in that way? I've gossiped. How dare I judge someone else for it? And, okay, so I've never been a sex offender. Never plan on being a sex offender. Never plan on entering into an organization through lies. Have I ever been dishonest? I try real hard to be honest, but I can't say I've never, ever been dishonest. That would be dishonest. Um, I can't say that I've never, ever taken advantage of someone weaker than me. Maybe someone who didn't have the great quality or the great as much of an ability of words with me. Maybe I used that to overpower and make my opinion known or to get what I wanted. And Was it criminal? Well, no, but that's really not the point. The point is i got to be really quick not to reject people. And I think there's a difference here because, you know, there are parts of the Bible that say judge for yourselves and judge this and judge that and judge amongst yourselves. And then it's saying you who pass judgment. So what are we supposed to judge or not judge? But I think the key here is you who judge someone else. To judge in that case is to be called, are you worthy or not worthy? Am I going to reject you or am I going to accept you? We are called to judge 
actions. Pedophilia, sex offense, murder, anything against the Ten Commandments, you know, hating your father and mother, hatred. That those are all wrong. Those are those things are wrong. We are to reject the sin. And that doesn't mean we need to have relationships, close relationships with people that are like this, but to reject them in terms of counting them unworthy of God's love. Well, yeah, they are, but so am I. This is a hard truth for me because I'll tell you, I was angry when I saw this guy and I was a little bit ticked when I heard this phone call. And I can't say I hated them. I didn't want them dead, but I sure didn't want either of them in my presence. I judge them unworthy of my love. And that's hard. You know, I've been living in Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, and I didn't even realize till this morning, my recent reading, Paul gave a little bit of an antidote to that. There was a church in Corinth where there was had been someone in the church that I guess apparently had done something that had been an offense against Paul. He doesn't say what it is. But the church was very offended of that. This person really was just very offended, didn't want to have their, like, you hurt Paul. And that's the context that it seems to be happening. And he said, there's a little bit of a, there's a good formula here. He says, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he's aggrieved all of you to some extent. The punishment of, Inflicted on him by majority is sufficient. Now instead, this is somebody who had spoken against Paul and who had done something that they considered was very offensive in their congregation. Skin crawling. What he said to do was, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. What? Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient and everything so wait he did something wrong and it's about our obedience anyone you forgive i also forgive and what i have forgiven if there was anything to forgive i have forgiven in the sight of christ for your sake in order that satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes See, the enemy here was not the person who had done something wrong. The enemy was Satan. And Satan knows. He's very clever. He's not creative, but he's very clever. He uses the same old tricks. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, as Ephesians 6, 12. If he can get us to be so offended by someone's actions that instead of rejecting the actions, we reject the person, then there becomes a spirit of criticism in us. And that'll work its way in us. That'll, that spirit of criticism, that spirit of religion, that spirit of anger, and that spirit of unforgiveness will tear down a church or a fellowship or a person quicker than alcoholism or any addiction ever could. Because once that's injected in your system, you don't really need reinjection. It'll grow on its own. Your body won't rid it unless you declare to rid it. And so I found, and I'm doing, even in this latest relapse of my criticism, I found that there is maybe a three-step way that I would offer you to help when somebody really offends you or when something comes to mind and 
someone's done something horrible. I mean, the most horrible. You can't believe it's it's just this unforgivable thing. They tore your life apart. And it's not easy. But it works. First of all, a challenge if you don't. Romans 2, 5. Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. The next, God will repay each person for what they have done. When we make ourselves the judge, not over the actions that sometimes we need, but over whether somebody is acceptable or unacceptable, of our love, of God's love, we're hurting ourselves. We're storing wrath against ourselves. I don't want God's wrath. I want all of his forgiveness, so I need to give what little forgiveness I need to give to others because I need God's eternal forgiveness. So here's what we do. Step one, repent. When you're mad at what somebody else has done and that's eating you alive, you are in danger of falling to unforgiveness. So you say, Lord, however many times you have to do it, Lord, I repent of my critical spirit against this person. I repent for putting myself in your place as judge. Because no matter what this person has done, I have no right to put myself in your place. And this unforgiveness is not helping me. I reject it. Number two, forgive. Now here's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness does not mean what they did was right. Forgiveness does not mean you will let them do it again. Forgiveness in this case does not mean that this person who tried to be in a place where he shouldn't be in the organization should be allowed in that place. No, you still keep those boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean the person who was gossiping that we go, oh, that's wonderful, and that we help, that we feed into that sickness. Forgiveness means... I don't have a right to reject you. I don't have a right. I may judge that what you did was wrong, but I am not. I don't have a right to say that you're less. You deserve less than my love. Forgiveness says God's on the throne. And like it says in Romans 2.6, God will repay each person. It's not my job. It means giving God's job back to God and taking that burden off yourself. And it is a burden. And then... Bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Lord Jesus, forgive us of the times, forgive us of this moment if we're harboring resentment towards someone else, if we're expecting them to pay us back in ways maybe they can't. Forgive us for putting ourselves in your place and for rejecting somebody that you created. Lord, we reject the sin. We disagree with what they've done. We don't try to justify it. But we recognize that you're the great healer and that you're the great provider and that you're the great judge. And we know you can handle it, so we're going to put it in your hands. Lord, forgive us for that. We choose to forgive this other person. And God, because you've told us to bless our enemies and because this person matters to you, We ask for you to bless them. We ask for you to bring a spirit of conviction. Not bless them by making their plans prosper, but bless them by seeing that your plans are better for them. By showing them love in a way that melts their heart. 
and help me to desire the very words I'm saying, to desire for their well-being and for their healing, Lord. Forgive me in ways that I don't. That's what we do. And guess what? That frees us. We have no idea how much that could help free the other person, but I'm certain it frees us because then we get to have our love back and we get to have our peace back. We get to enjoy whatever we were doing instead of being, having it stolen from us by thinking about something we have no control over, by thinking about something that has nothing to do with God's love for us except for that we're supposed to share it. I'll tell you what changed my mind. Three things. That first person who had uh, this criminal record, I'm very good friends with somebody who was connected to him. And um, one of the purest souls I know. And um, I saw that person later on grieving for the heart of this man. Grieving for, and I know what this man's done to him. And I know what this man's done to his family. And he's just grieving. And he said, I know who he is. I know what he's done. I just want him to know love, know God because God wants everybody to know him. And his heart was breaking for this man that had done all these horrible things. And he had received, and, he, and my will was broken because I'm like, if this person who I care so much about can love this man, then I should too. It just If it's important to him, it needs to be important to me. And if, that means if it's important to God, it has to be important to me. And then in the second case with that gossip, I was on the phone with my daughter, and I didn't mention everything. I just said so-and-so called. She's in crazy mode again. She's gossiping, and she's trying to use it, and she's sharing all these details of things that I don't need to know. And, you know, I'm expecting my daughter to go, yeah, she's crazy. You know, she's like, my mom, mom you know, we, we knew about this. There's a sickness there. And so she immediately skipped to compassion, <laughs> which is where I should have started. And so I'm humbled by that, too, because I'm supposed to be, you know, more of a spiritual leader. And I'm the one that's going, Ur! and she skipped right to the Romans, too. Just forgive her. Show her she needs to know God's love. And um, with me, so I post about my struggle to not judge my old self where I was twice of me. And my husband looks at both pictures without skipping a beat, without reading what I wrote. He said, you know, you look beautiful in both of those pictures. He could see past the scars and the struggles to the beauty. And God sees past the scars and the struggles to the beauty. Lord, help us to see past the scars and the struggles. And there's a lot of whole lot of ugly in this world. Help us to see past that. And Lord, we need boundaries. Help us to have the right boundaries. Help us to say the right things. Help us to know who to associate with and not to associate with. But in all these things, Lord, help us to love and to see with your eyes. Help us to surrender and open our hands and surrender the right or our felt right to criticize and hold resentment against others, God, because we know it's like just like holding on to a dagger. It's causing us to bleed more and more. Take the daggers from us, Lord. Replace it with your love and your freedom. And if there's anyone out there right now who is struggling, God, I just pray speak against the spirit of unforgiveness. I just bind that in their hearts and ask you to speak your love and your truth for them to love others and accept others, but that to open up a place in their heart where they more fully receive your love for them. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends.